you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. And this is NFL Inside Report. Snap to Smith, four-man rush, straight drop back, in trouble. Now steps up, throws far side, and it's picked off at the 35-yard line. And running out of bounds after the interception is Nick Scott. For the Seahawks, it's the insult of a division loss at home and the injury to starting quarterback Russell Wilson. This has nothing to do with toughness, as you said. This is, can he just throw or can he not throw? The realities of quarterback injuries in Seattle and elsewhere in the NFC West with NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport. Plus, in the huddle, he was beating himself up. I have to believe in the Pittsburgh game and certainly in that Miami game. And I said to him, well, who can reach you in that moment? And he said 14 and 14 Stefan Diggs. The growth of Josh Allen in the Bills ahead of Sunday's showdown versus the Chiefs with insight from Kim Jones. But we begin in Seattle. Russell Wilson injured in the third quarter. Geno Smith comes on in relief, brings the Hawks within two points of the Rams in the fourth quarter. But Matthew Stafford answers back with a six-play, 73-yard drive capped by a Sony Michelle touchdown that pushes the lead back to nine. And with some help from Aaron Donald in the defense late, head home to L.A. with a win. All the while now, Seattle dealing with their third loss of the season and the loss of Russell Wilson to injury, as we discuss now with Ian Rappaport. Ian, the world is coming to grips now with a phenomenon otherwise known as the mallet finger. After the Thursday night football game last night that saw Russell Wilson exit with what you are reporting is a mallet finger issue, and it's on his throwing hand. It's a big deal. Right. It's basically a damaged joint all the way up at the top of his middle finger. The curse finger, as they say. The middle finger of Wilson hit the arm of Aaron Donald 
And it's one of those where you wonder, did the trainer come out there and just yank the finger of Russell Wilson? He was calling for the train only. They brought the towel up. Yeah, so basically it means he couldn't grip it, couldn't flex it. He wasn't able to, to hold on to the football the way he needed to to throw it because we were going to throw the ball and we had to throw it all over the place. And uh, we didn't know, you know what he would be able to do. We was just unsure. And, uh, you know, I trust him that I mean, if he could have, he would have. And, you know, Russell Wilson is a tough dude. He's never missed a game. Russell's one of the great healers uh, in the, in, in, of all time. And, and he'll do whatever he can to get back as soon as absolutely possible. He wants to break Brett, Brett Favre's consecutive streak record. But this is not about toughness. This is just about functionality. So the fact that he can't flex is bad. Um, we'll see what happens today as far as the treatment. He's having an MRI. He's going to see Dr. Steven Shin in Los Angeles. And at that point, he may or may not have surgery. Um, if he has surgery, they'll probably put a pin in it. You know, I would say it puts his status in doubt for next week. But it's Russell Wilson, so it doesn't mean definitively that he's not going to play. If they try rehab, then you know he is sort of in the same situation. He could spend a week rehabbing it, and then we'll see if he ends up playing. So either way, not the ideal situation. But the fact that they have Geno Smith, you know who played well, at least makes it somewhat tenable. Yeah. I mean, I think the NFL world got reintroduced to Geno Smith for the first time in what felt like, you know, half a decade um, and played really well. Uh, aside from that, that one interception where Tyler Lockett fell down at the end of the game. Uh, I mean, really well, it, it, considering the circumstances. You know, it would have been, been a lot better if we'd have got a win, obviously. But, uh, you know, it meant a lot. You know, the city has embraced me. Um, this team has embraced me. And I'm grateful. I'm really grateful for that. Um, you know, I, I appreciate all the fans. The, the atmosphere was just electric tonight. But here's the issue with the rehab deal, right? If it's not surgery, like there's got to be some sort of splint. So like, think about Russell, who's got to take a snap from center. He's got to catch a, sna- a shotgun snap before he ever even tries to throw it. And man, I mean, like this, it, it doesn't paint a, a pretty picture, um, it, even if he's as tough as they come in, in terms of likelihood to, to continue to play. Right. I mean, I just, I, one thing I don't like is when a person can't play and there are questions about toughness, right? Like it's because I sort of assume that if a player can play somehow get out on the field, he will play. Yeah. This has nothing. This to is do a with functional thing. As you said, this is, can he, can he just throw or can he not throw? Right. Um, and you know, I mean, it, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, you could see that he kind of wanted to get back in there. I know he's going to try to play if he possibly can, but, you know, after surgery, is he actually going to be able to, if he ends up having surgery? Right. You know, so a lot of questions. They also have 10 days, so it's more than the usual. That's true. Um, so I don't think we're going to know maybe for a little bit as far as what his actual availability is. Right. So we, as you mentioned, 10 days until we see the Seahawks back on the field again, they got to travel to Pittsburgh uh, in week six to take on the Steelers. So, Got some time to try to figure this out for Russell Wilson, but still, that's this is something that's going to be a major storyline for the Seahawks uh, for the uh, for the coming, you know, for the coming uh, in the coming weeks here. Even as he deals with it, if he's able to play, and, and then you look at the opposite side of things here, Ian and Matthew Stafford is sitting here talking like a like a hockey dude over here, like having a you know put a, a essentially a dislocated finger back in place. I look down at a certain point. Um on a drive in the second quarter, 
I think the one we kicked the field on, and uh, I just looked down and felt a little pressure, and I, I maybe got it on a handoff or a snap or something. I'm not 100% sure. I looked down and felt a little pressure in there, and it was just a little bit out of place and was able to put it back in and, and keep going. It wasn't, uh, it didn't affect me too much, to be honest with you. Any indication that there's going to be any, any issues moving forward for Stafford with the Rams? It doesn't seem like it, and, you know, I don't, I have not dislocated a finger, but I would say this. If I dislocated a finger and then had to be the one to put it back in place, right? I wouldn't be as good at it as Matthew Stafford is. <laughs> I mean, he said it kind of popped back, but like still, still like he yeah. had to kind of finagle some things like not his first rodeo. I would imagine for Stafford, who is playing great, uh, minus that interception last night, which I thought he was trying to throw away, but it's tough to really know. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would say most injuries he gets, he could probably just pop back into place because he's been through so many of them. And that's what he's done, right, in in his career, except for that back injury. Arm falls off, yeah. pop it back into place like right. he's a Lego guy. Right, exactly. That's a, that's actually a really good comparison. I think he, he basically did that against the Browns, I think was his rookie year or, the, or his second year in the league, if, if you guys remember, and looked that, really that good. That was the great NFL films. Uh, yes. Yes. Oh, they called the timeout. I can go back in. I can go back in. Yeah. Uh, my dad was actually the one on the sidelines trying to hold him back out. So way to work dad on that one. Um, so <laughs> very, very, very effective training, right, uh, right. training from your dad. <laughs> right. It, it really was. So, all right. So that's what's, I mean, look, that's, it's an important storyline in the NFC West. You know, you got one quarterback in Russell Wilson dealing with uh, a, a potential finger injury that could cause him some issues here moving forward in this ultra competitive NFC West. You got Matthew Stafford who overcame a finger injury to lead his team onto victory on Thursday night football. And now you've got the San Francisco 49ers in the other half of the division meeting up this week with the Arizona Cardinals, I guess still unsure Ian, with who their quarterback is going to be after Jimmy Garoppolo suffered the calf injury. He hasn't practiced all week. Where, where do the 49ers sit on this? I mean, no practice is not a good sign for the San Francisco 49ers. And, and you know, this is another one where it's, it's a weird injury. It is a calf contusion where he got basically need in the back of the calf. And it's not a, is he tough enough to play? Like, you know, it's a, it's a sprained ankle and like, he just needs to tape it up and grit his teeth. Like, it's not like that. It's a, he can't push off with it. And that is preventing him from being able to throw. Like if you watched him, Sort of in the second quarter last week, like something was, I just thought he was playing bad because I wasn't aware of the injury at the time and hadn't been right. announced, but like just looked, something was wrong. He didn't look good because he couldn't throw. Kind of a freak play. Just, um, I was kind of jumping back after I threw it to avoid uh, the pressure in front of me and he kind of hit me at the same time. So just a, an unfortunate situation, but yeah, it's, it's not terrible right now. And it's going to be, um, you know, a, a somewhat untested, very fun, very athletic, high ceiling quarterback in Trey Lance. Lance gets the snap. Quarterback keeper sweeping to his left, has the corner. He's in. Touchdown, San Francisco. Trey Lance with a one yard touchdown run, and the 49ers are on the board. The reaction from Kyle Shanahan, though, last week when talking about the possibility of, of playing Trey Lance seems it was weird, right? A little odd. Backup. You notice that too? He's the backup. There's not a quarterback battle right now. I mean, we're going with our starting quarterback, who I think is playing very well. Um, happy that he is. So Trey is not thrown into any situations he has to do too early. Um, if he ever is thrown into that, then I know Trey will deal with that and he'll get better as it goes. But that's not. we have a luxury where we don't have to do that yet to Trey or to our team. So uh, hopefully we won't have to. Well, haven't you guys been approaching him as a 
piece of the offense, even if he is QB2. And yeah, it, it did seem odd. So here's the question, though, because how much of Jimmy Garoppolo's you know, injury history that we're unfortunately seeing come to bear here, even though this is, of course, no fault of his own, as most injuries are. Um, how much of this potential scenario was a part of the 49ers decision to move up and go get a quarterback like Trey Lance at the top of the draft? The biggest thing with Jimmy is his injuries. It's been very tough for us when he's been hurt. And, um, you know, it has happened two out of these three years. Um, and, and that's where it starts. And Jimmy knows that I have been very upfront with him with everything. And, um, you know, we've been zooming these last two weeks. I'm excited to get him in here coming up, especially when this draft's over. Um, but I feel very fortunate taking a rookie quarterback that we do have a guy like Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, dependability is so much. And, you know, I always, for not that Jimmy Garoppolo or anyone needs my sorrow <laughs> and empathy, but I really do feel bad for guys like this who are injury prone and just keep, keep getting injured. Cause like, what is he supposed to do? A guy need him in the back of the cap. Like, I don't know if that's something that was his fault or it's just, it's too bad, but he's going to end up getting replaced literally because of it. Right. Like, you know, because a, a quarterback's, you know, basically a quarterback's overall value is what he is on the field. And then, you know, if there's someone else who replaces him, that guy's level too. So Garoppolo has always been pretty good. Plus the backup who's had to play because he's been injured, which brings him down a lot. Yeah. That basically necessitated a new quarterback in San Francisco. And it looks like another example, uh, on the other hand, if you like football and you like draft prospects, seeing Trey Lance out there for the whole game will be really fun and fascinating. So it'd be kind of interesting too. Yeah. And, and, you know, based on what we saw in the preseason, where we saw in that last game, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, essentially, you know, operating one in one out a couple of plays at a time, you know, kind of, kind of caught, you know, kind of gave us some real headlines in that final preseason game. Like, Whoa, is this something that Kyle Shanahan's going to show us throughout the year? And, you know, Trey Lance played like six plays in the first three weeks of the season. So you're like, Hmm, six good plays. So, yeah, sure. It scored two touchdowns. I mean, the efficiency is really, you know, really good there. Um, and so I, I'm just kind of curious as to, as to your understanding of, you know, the, the 49ers thoughts about Lance's readiness, since that was part of the, you know, that was part of the conversation around Justin Fields, not being in the lineup and then finally getting in the lineup here ahead of week five. Yeah. I mean, it, feels to me like someone where they're not sure he's ready. Like that was all just judging from the reactions, backup quarterback guys, Jimmy's the starter. I've said this a million times. Right. Why do I have to keep answering that? He's the clear starter. I mean, it looks to me like an organization that says we want to take our time with this guy. And they believe this is a playoff ready roster. And obviously they've played pretty well throughout the season. Um, if that is the case, you have a rookie who's, not quite ready, very talented, but not quite ready and supposed to be a project, but now has to play like that makes it tough. So how ready is he? Like, I don't know. And I don't know that they're going to ask him to do a lot, yeah. um, but he's so talented that maybe, you know, maybe we see something fascinating on Sunday. Yeah. It just kind of brings back a lot of those same questions that we had about the 49ers making this move, you know, back during pro day season. I think it was actually during the the Jets pro day, uh, or I'm sorry, the <laughs> ultimately Jets quarterback, well, yeah, Zach I mean, Wilson's pro day. Pro day. Yeah. Pro day, yeah. Yes. Well, it was essentially, uh, they made this move and, you know, it was a day we saw a couple of trades and gosh, you're thinking like, all right, the 49ers are coming up for a quarterback. 
it, it that you know they're saying is going to be the backup here once he ends up getting drafted. And and then you're like, well, isn't this like a team that's on the that feels like they're Super Bowl ready? So why right. you know when you're trying you know when you're on the cusp of something, would you give up all of that capital to go get a quarterback that you're not planning on using? And and this this brings that back to focus. Agreed, but I would say, and this is just my own personal philosophy. I don't care about any of that because to me, if I would almost give up a season to have a quarterback who is my guy for the next 15 years. Now you got to get it right. We don't know if Trey Lance is going to be right. And so if the evaluation is wrong and he's not a franchise guy, then everyone's getting fired and it doesn't matter. (laughs) Um, So it's like, who cares? Right. Like it's just, if you're wrong, you're wrong and it's just a disaster and everybody loses. But if you're right, then you get to be the Chiefs for like 10 years. Sure. Right. So now the 49ers tried to do both, right? They have a guy who is their starter, entrenched, who they're paying a lot of money in Jimmy Garoppolo. They have him. They want to keep him. He's their starter for a year. They trade up for Trey Lance. They forfeit all a whole bunch of tra- draft capital. Yeah. And then they plan like a nice transition, just like the Chiefs did. But as we're seeing now with Garoppolo's injury, like it's much harder to actually do. Like the Chiefs had the dream scenario. Almost no one has been lucky and fortunate enough to have that. If, in fact, Trey Lance starts this week, we would have all five first round quarterbacks, plus Davis Mills from the third round, starting by week five of an NFL season. Crazy times for starting quarterbacks in the NFL. Ian Rappaport, thanks, brother. All right, man. Good stuff. Take care. Still to come on this episode of NFL Inside Report. We have to stop thinking of the Bills as the little engine that could because they're a really well-built roster and really and have really good players. Past the point of progress. What does this game against the team that knocked them out of the playoffs last year represent for the Bills? Something more valuable than a potential Week 5 win. With Kim Jones, next. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The Buffalo Bills have rattled off three straight wins, including two shutouts in that span after dropping their season opener to the Steelers. And now the Bills firing on all cylinders ahead of this high-octane Sunday night showdown with the Chiefs. Kim Jones has great perspective on this recent run of success in Buffalo. Kim, I feel like ever since that Rams-Chiefs game a few years ago on Monday night, I've been like searching for that game that was going to give us the, you know, the the rock'em, sock'em, touchdown, touchdown, every drive, somebody scoring type of matchup uh, we saw on Monday night out here in L.A. a few years ago. And I want to feel like this Bills-Chiefs game on Sunday night, based on the explosiveness of these two offenses, could give us that. But man, I keep coming back to the number one ranked Bills defense right here, having as good a shot as any to slow down this Chiefs offense. How do you see this matchup? Red, it's kind of remarkable. And I want to take you back to the start of last season when all of a sudden it was Josh Allen. We didn't know how his season was going to end up, but he ended up having a great year, great connection with his receivers, including at that time, a first year bill in Stefan Diggs. And I remember talking to Leslie Frazier last September on a couple of occasions, and he essentially said, yeah, my guys, meaning the Bills defense, don't like this so much. They're used to being the ones uh, closing out games. And now our offense just outscores everyone. And we're, you know, late to the party type of thing. And um, I I caught up with Leslie more recently about that topic. And he he just kind of laughed because obviously there's been a bit of a a balancing act this year. And uh, in terms of the Bills being a more balanced team, obviously that was by design. Probably having an offseason, having a training camp has helped us to get off to a better start. And the familiarity, of course, that we have with our players and, and those players with our coaches. You know, our, we don't have a new defensive line coach this year. Uh, Eric Washington, Jock Cesare, both guys that are returning. Uh, so all those things combined, I think, have helped us to get off to a good start. The roster building by Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott is remarkable in Buffalo. And they, while a lot of folks were saying, I was not, but why a lot of folks were saying last year the Bills have a great roster I always knew and said their D-line needs work, and they have told us that one way or another on time after time after time. And they went out and they built it. Uh, it helps that Starlo Star Tulele, uh, who opted out last year, is back. Four guys coming, and that's enough. And down goes Davis Mills, Starlo Tulele. He's a big force in the middle. They hit on Greg Russo. 83-inch wingspan doesn't hurt, but he's a fast learner. They love him, and he gets to the quarterback, and he affects the quarterback. Um, and, and Matt Milano was playing as well as any linebacker in the league. The Bills would tell you he now has a hamstring injury, but that was a guy, Rhett, that in free agency they thought was all but lost. Oh, man. And lo and behold, Matt Milano wanted to return to Buffalo, took a lower market deal than he could have gotten elsewhere. So this is a – and and by the way, that's without talking about the secondary. Right. Which, 
which has been and is the strength of that defense because they have terrific players at the back end. So the, the Bills very consciously knew their defense had to improve. I think it has probably improved slightly more than they would have expected so early. And candidly, I think we have to allow for the idea the schedule at points has helped. Yeah. They, they ended up shutting out Miami 35-0, um, and, and obviously Houston was in Buffalo last weekend, and that game wasn't a contest. They're looking for their second of the season. And it's intercepted. Fifth takeaway of the ball game, Tyler Matakavich. No question. And I, and I get to a little bit more on that defense here in, in just a moment, seeing as they are the number one total and number one scoring defense yep. this season. But just a quick thought on this matchup again, because it is a rematch of the 2020 AFC championship game. And for the Bills last year, it was like our first glimpses of a team that reminded us of the Jim Kelly led Bills of the 90s who were consistently in that position uh, as uh, AFC champions. Does this game mean Anything along, I don't want to say it means more to the Bills, but does it mean anything towards another measuring stick for progress with this team, seeing it as the Chiefs this week and it was the Chiefs who knocked them out of their magical run a year ago? I think the Bills, whether they'd say this publicly or not, believe they're beyond the idea of progress, like the little engine that could. That's I, you know, and I think yeah. they're beyond that. I said that last season. We have to stop thinking of the Bills as the little engine that could because they're a really well-built roster and really and have really good players. But what I would say is it could have something to do with home field advantage. And the Bills will tell you, you know, they'll take any team in the league in Orchard Park in January. Yeah. So um, it certainly could have have some impact on that down the road. Uh, and I also look back, Rhett, to uh, I was going to say this on the air uh, on NFL Network today. It turns out I won't have time. So I'm happy to join yes. you and be able to say some of this Exclusive. stuff here. Uh, yeah, that's how it goes, <laughs> right? Um, you know, two years ago, they lost to Houston. And, jo- and I was there for that game. Should have won. It. They should have won. Absolutely. The Houston Texans in overtime have defeated the Buffalo Bills 22 to 19. They came all the way back down 16 in regulation, and they win it in overtime to advance to the next round of the postseason. And I was in that room when Josh Allen did his post game, and he essentially said, I'm going to think of this loss every day until we get back. Uh, and he did. He, Josh Allen took that loss very personally. He thought he should have played better. You could look to a, you know, we could do a segment on that game. Sure. No one cares anymore, so we won't. But, <laughs> um, you, you know, but Josh very much takes that stuff personally. He takes the idea that he has to lead this team very personally. And I, I can only imagine how magnified that is now that he's gotten the enormous contract. But, you, you know, so, so they turned that into... A, a loss in a wild card game on the road, but they should have won it. They turned that last year into a trip to the AFC championship game. You cannot argue they should have won that game. Right. Kansas City had three straight, uh, if I remember correctly, three straight touchdowns in the second quarter, and the game was all but lost then. Yeah. Uh, and, and that had to be a deflated uh, halftime for the Bills. But I do think that, that they can look at their team now and say, we have no reason to take a backseat to anyone. And like I said, down the road, Sunday's result could be really big for both of these teams. Yeah. And, you know, as we look at this season, you know, for Josh Allen in particular and the Bills offense, you know, coming off what was a phenomenal run and a phenomenal 
run of improvement last year for Josh. That's been well documented. This yep. and in that light, though, this season started rather inconspicuously, right? With that loss to Pittsburgh in, in in a game that wasn't Josh Allen's best, that wasn't this offense's best, right? But what are they saying about their ability to recognize, you know, those uh, those deficiencies and almost improve them within the scope of this, you know, first quarter of the season because they are playing much better now than they were week one. I think, uh, I think, and I truly mean, I think on this, I'm not, I I don't have any evidence of uh, of it other than what I've been able to discern from covering the bills now for years. I think Josh Allen was wearing the big contract, big responsibility stuff when this season started. Yeah. And I, I think, uh, that that impacted them early this season, including that loss to, to Pittsburgh. Again, I think that yeah. I think down the road, I'll be able to find out if I'm right or not. But right now I'm just thinking that because knowing this team and knowing how much Josh internalizes everything and, and considers himself someone who has to lead this team and he does have to lead this team. And, and I go back Rhett, to the idea that, that Josh Allen in that Pittsburgh game and, and even the, the, the 35 nothing win over the Dolphins somehow was viewed as, you know, okay, we won. But yeah, not, not good great. Enough. Yeah, That's geez. Not how it was viewed in Orchard Park in Buffalo. We got some stuff to work on. Um, <laughs> no, we, we really do. And, uh, you know, myself just trying to find uh, a rhythm early on. But I think what has happened is we've learned a little bit about Josh and we've learned a little bit about Stefan Diggs, who's more than just a really good receiver who has a great connection with his quarterback. Because I asked Josh when I was in Buffalo a couple of weeks ago about being so hard on himself. And he is, he's very, very hard on himself, which can cut. I understand that by the way, and that can cut both ways with a person. And I'm much older than Josh. And if I counseled him ever, which I probably will not, but <laughs> once in a while sure. I counsel a little, I, I would, I would tell him to do his best to hold himself to a high standard, but not constantly beat himself up. Because that is just not constructive as a human being. I don't care about a football player. As a human being, that is not constructive. So he, and he knows that. And he said that in the huddle, he was beating himself up. I have to believe in the Pittsburgh game and certainly in that Miami game. And I said to him, well, who can reach you in that moment? And he said 14. High snap. Josh brings it in. Looks to throw. Looks to the end zone. Still looking. Still looking. Rolling right. Waits. Fires back left. Got a man wide open. Caught. Touchdown, Buffalo. Stefan Diggs wide open in the end zone on the back end of the play. Touchdown, Bills. And 14, Stefan Diggs. So Stefan Diggs this year is a captain for the first time in his life, voted that way by his teammates. I put in a lot of work individually, but being a captain more so like a team, a team thing. Like everybody feels a certain way about you as far as like how you how you carry yourself in your team and how you lead this team. So for me. Um, just even last year, kind of like Deion Dawkins speaking on it on, on his behalf, was saying like he felt like I could have been a captain last year, and uh, it meant a lot to me then, and it means even more now. And he is every bit as important as anyone on that roster. And it's funny how no one ever brings up anymore what Brandon Bean gave up for Stefan Diggs in the trade because A, people don't want to look like a moron <laughs> so they don't bring it up. And number two, no one cares because Buffalo, if you look at back at, at what they could be getting from Diggs, who's still an ascending player, even though his numbers right now are, are, are a bit below what last year's were this time for him to rectify that, of course, you know, he may end up being Josh Allen's you know, kind of Batman and Robin tandem sure. for, for years and years to come, depending on how this turns out. So, you know, it's funny how things happen. They end up trading for a, a 
receiver who has a certain reputation when he comes to Buffalo, but Buffalo is very optimistic that he's going to like the team, like the culture and fit in well. They didn't know till he showed up because of COVID and he didn't show up till training camp. So they never saw him. So, you know, and then it ends up that he's the one player who can essentially counsel his quarterback in the huddle when the quarterback needs to take a deep breath and forget the last play. That's that awesome. That's remarkable to me. That's great insight, Kim, uh, truly, uh, on on how Josh Allen deals with the, his own self-competitiveness and then yep. how he gets, essentially using your word, counseled uh, out of it from Stefan Diggs. But if I may real quick, if I may real quick, Josh Allen, and I've asked him about this and talked to him about this, is still that kid who no one wanted to give a scholarship to, yeah. who had no offers coming out of high school, who went to Wyoming, who was doubted out of Wyoming because he has an enormous arm, but he can't control where the ball's going. He is still that guy, even though he's not that guy, if you get right. what I'm saying. No, 100%. Uh, and I, I'm glad he is because clearly it still drives him yes. and it drives uh, his, his quest for perfection, his drive for, for, for perfection, settle for excellence um, is, is probably uh, something that, that's similar to what, where Josh Allen's mindset sits. Uh, two, two more questions here on the Bills. Run game. This was the 20th ranked run game in the league last year. Josh Allen led that run game a year ago. This year feels different. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss down in the red zone as, you know, as impressive as there is right now, uh, getting across the goal line. How much does that improved run game matter for Buffalo this year? I think it matters. I think it matters that Zach Moss had, I think, an ankle injury last yeah. year and missed, you know, games at the end of the season. I think that ended up mattering. I think it mattered that Devin Singletary, oddly, in a year that he was without Frank Gore, because I used to watch the two of them do everything in tandem, right? you know, a me and a mini me type of situation, um, did not have a good year a, a year ago. And when I was in Buffalo for training camp, at the day that we were at every single camp, we were picking, I think the, I think we were all doing this. We were picking sort of a standout player, yeah. you know, who was going to rise above. I picked Devin Singletary just because, you know, I had seen how talented and frankly, how fast he was the year before and, and thought that he was probably due for a rebound. Um, they need the running game to work for them. They don't yeah. need as much as some teams need out of the running game, but I, I think they're certainly getting what they've needed out of those guys. And Moss does represent sort of a bulldozer mentality. Yeah. You know, Devin might outrun you. He might juke you a little bit. Zach Moss is probably going to, by his own choice, run you over. Great tandem to have, and they've improved so far from the 20th best uh, rush game in, in the league last year to, you know, through four games top five run game. Yeah. Yeah. And they take top 10. I think, I, yeah. I think, I think quietly, if you ask them if they had a top 10 running game, they Brian Dayball, I'm not speaking for him, but he'd probably say that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Good. I, I would know? agree. No yeah. question. And, uh, they've got an opportunity against the chiefs defense. That's been a little, uh, it's had some holes to, to continue that trend this year. Defensively. We mentioned the two shutouts. Look, I don't care who you're playing. You shut out two teams in your team's first four games. You're doing something right. Considering the level of opponent, Dolphins, Texans, team struggling at this point. What do the Bills take out of those, those particular events? I mean, I, I think it just enhances a, the confidence of a team that's pretty confident. Yeah. You know, I think it's kind of funny, and I'm as guilty of this as anyone. And I'm going to stop. Like, next time I see Buffalo, I'm going <laughs> to start to rectify it. Good. I never talk about one of the best players in the league, and that's Tredavious White. Part of the reason I never talk about him, he never gets burned. So it's there's quiet, never yeah. that like, oh, what about Tredavious White? I mean, he held Terry McLaurin down in that game against Washington, you know, on a day where Taylor Heineke really needed 
you know, probably needed every weapon, including yeah. McLaurin, to help him out to, for them to have a chance. And Terry McLaurin had a, you know, a few catches for, I don't even remember, 60 yards, maybe one, I think a long gain of maybe 35 or 37. Yeah. Uh, the others were all much shorter gains. Um, Tredavious White is not only a fantastic cornerback, he's a fantastic teammate. And Rhett, I go back again to, to earlier this season uh, during training camp when Tredavious White sat there. He, you know, he was John McDermott's first draft pick and predated Brandon Bean, who yeah. did not become general manager of the the bills until after that draft. And he sat there with a huge smile on his face. He's an incredibly engaging young man. uh, Tredavious white is. And and he said, when I came here, the thought was, can we make the playoffs now? You know, the, the, the absolute goal is the super bowl. And he just kind of let himself on that late July day, like almost marvel at the progress that his organization has made. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty good deal when, when you're Sean McDermott, your first draft picks Tredavious white, um, (laughs) because he's everything they would want, you know, and, and continues to be great stuff. Great insight. As always, Kim Jones here with us. Uh, Thanks so much, Kim. Appreciate it. Thank you, Red. Just ahead. The news you need to know around the league. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection, and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Now for the news. The international series is back after COVID-19 forced a pause last year. The NFL returning to London with the first of two games this year from England this weekend when the Jets face off against the Falcons on NFL Network. It's a 9.30 a.m. Eastern time kick at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the Jets fresh off their first victory of the season, bringing rookie quarterback Zach Wilson to London, looking to become the first rookie quarterback to win a game overseas. Previous NFL freshman signal callers, a combined 0-4. 
And Jets defensive lineman John Franklin Myers will have a little extra spending money for his trip to London this weekend as NFL Network insider Ian Rappaport reporting Franklin Myers and the Jets agreeing on a four-year contract extension worth $55 million with $30.2 million guaranteed. Third season now in New York, Franklin Myers has already started a career-high four games with three sacks, a forced fumble, and 15 tackles. That's going to do it for this edition of NFL Inside Report. Of course, we're back with you on Monday as we go behind the headlines and inside the highlights from your Week 5 Sunday. For producers Thomas Warren and Timothy Parachka, I'm Rhett Lewis. We'll see you next time. NFL Inside Report is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more official podcasts from the NFL, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.